How do we take strategic principles that we know for business and apply them to our lives? And how can we live our lives with purpose? And just like the Uber driver taking you to the airport, you know, the songwriter who says, you know, I don't, I don't need to be famous. I, I found my purpose. I feel fulfilled. I know that, you know, God has designed me in this way. And, and now I'm, I'm living that out. I'm, I'm not wasting that gift. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, the companies, and the small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I get to sit down with an incredible entrepreneur, business leader, community activist, author, speaker, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you, the listener, that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact. My guest this week is Tracy Barrett. Tracy was one of the founding team members of the national cable television network, HGTV. After 30 years of experience in corporate America, Tracy began to wonder, what if there is more to our vocational lives than success? And in a leap of faith, she quit her executive job at HGTV and went on a soul-searching journey. Today, Tracy is an entrepreneur, podcast host, speaker, author, and executive coach who helps others in their search for meaning beyond success. Her new book comes out in January, and it's called What If There's More? Finding Significance Beyond Success, which shares the details of her soul-searching journey that led her to where she is today, and she equips readers to do the same. This was such a fun conversation. I am, you know, personally a pretty big fan of HGTV. So it was really cool to hear the inside scoop, the behind the scenes of how it all got started. But most importantly, I loved Tracy's perspective on finding significance beyond what the world thinks success looks like. You are going to absolutely love this conversation. But before I get to my conversation with Tracy, I want to thank our partner of the show, and that is Mama Suds. If you have been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you will know how much I love Mama Suds. I love supporting a mama-owned business. The head mama, Michelle Smith, has been on this show, and I love that her products are all made with clean, natural, non-toxic ingredients, but most importantly, her stuff works. We've used everything from the Castile soap, laundry soap, the stain stick, the toilet bombs, the all-purpose household cleaner, let me tell you, they're all amazing and they smell really good too. I want you to try them out. Go to mamasuds.com. That's M-A-M-A-S-U-D-S.com and use the promo code MOLLY15 for 15% off your order. Now on to my conversation with Tracy Barrett. Tracy, I'm so excited for you to be here. Thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is a busy schedule to sit down with me. So welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. Good. I'm excited to be here. I am so excited to meet you. And we were talking a little bit before uh, we started recording that um, you're in Nashville. I just got back from Nashville last night at the time we were recording. And I I just love Nashville. And so uh, I'm curious, before we even get into the show and the conversation, what are your favorite things about living in Nashville? And then what are maybe your least favorite things about living in Nashville? <laughs> mm-hmm. Good question. So we moved to Nashville five years ago after living in Chicago for 25 years. So we were in the city living there by Wrigley Field. So that's awesome. Definitely different. Yeah. And I'd say that probably influences my favorite things and my not so favorite things. But my favorite things are the nature, the beauty. I mean, it's just breathtakingly beautiful here and the rolling hills, um, the people, of course, friendly and outgoing and the music. I mean, people think that it's just country music and country music's great, but it's so much more. I mean, yes, the talent level, even walking through the airport, you're just like, wow, <laughs> like the talent level is amazing. Yes. And that's been just wonderful. I was struck by that because I mean, uh, truly, the moment you're off of the plane, there's live music. Then you're mm-hmm. leaving the gate and there's live music. In my Holiday Inn Express, <laughs> in the lobby of my Holiday Inn Express, there was live music. There's live music literally everywhere. Um, and the the first night I was there, I went to eat. Uh, I, well, I, I ate many meals at the Assembly Food Hall, which is amazing, right in downtown Nashville. And I was sitting, uh, eating my dinner and they had this event, uh, called the round downtown. 
And mm-hmm. it's funny because I actually ended up meeting somebody who works with them sometimes. And so what it is, is it's like a singer songwriter uh, showcase and it moves all around Nashville. But basically upcoming up and coming singer songwriters um, will go up three at a time and they each play one of they have to play an original song that they are working on. And then it kind of goes in a round where they each, you know, play a song. And the talent was unreal. There was this one woman who was the moment she opened her mouth. I was like, how is she not a billionaire? Her voice is incredible. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this is just like some like (laughs) struggling artist. And she is unreal. So, yes, you are so right. The talent is incredible. Yes. And I say that to myself almost weekly. I'll say, I cannot believe that person is just singing in a bar. They should be on the radio or they they should have. I mean, it is unbelievable. And, you know, they love music so much. It's not to say that they don't want to hit it big, but they just come across like this is enough. Like I'm playing and I love writing and I've gone to a number of songwriter shows and and they all just are so gracious and and thankful and happy. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. One of my, well, the Uber driver actually that drove me to the airport from um, my hotel is, you know, because I'm the kind of person who by the time I'm out of an Uber, I know the my Uber driver's entire life story. And he is a singer songwriter. And he basically just drives for Uber a couple days a week, like <laughs> as for beer money, he said. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, uh, you know, he was kind of explaining to me the whole songwriter scene and, and he himself can sing and can play. And he's just like, you know, I just don't want to be famous. I just really love to write music. And yeah. it's really cool and rewarding to me to, you know, see a big artist that's singing my song. And he's like, and that is like the peak of my career. And I just, I just think it's so cool anyway. So here we are on a completely off topic, but I, I love it. And it's fascinating to me. (laughs) Well, I want you to start off by giving us the Tracy 101. So this is what all my guests do. And that's just kind of telling us who you are, what you do and how you got to where you are today. Great. Well, um, I grew up in Florida, South Florida. Not a lot of people do that, but I grew up in West Palm Beach, went far away to college to Indiana University in Bloomington. And Chicago was like the closest big city to move to. And I knew I always wanted to be in television. I don't know why, but there was just something that I loved about TV, about theater, all of that. And so I moved to Chicago wanting to get into television and did started out in kind of local TV, pivoted from like wanting to be a reporter to being behind the scenes. I really liked building things and and, and really understanding the mechanics of it. And while I was there, um, you know, just loved living in Chicago. It was so much fun. It was just the best place to be for your 20s. And and ended up just staying there for 25 years. And in the midst of my career, the beginnings of my career, I was offered a job to join a team of just a few people to help start um, a company that they were going to call HGTV, Home and Garden Television. And it was just an idea, didn't exist. And at the time, I I just thought, oh my gosh, I really want to build something. I want to be part of something from the beginning. And if it fails, fine, you know, I'll move on to something else, but I'll have this great experience of trying to break into cable and and be part of something really interesting. And it was the most amazing ride. I was there for almost 20 years and helped bring it to life. And it learned so much, so much positive learning experience from just great mentors, great people, salt of the earth people. And um, yeah, it was an amazing career. And then in mid, mid-career, midlife, uh, made a shift and left, which was, you know, to the bewilderment of all of my bosses. I just kind of woke up and was ready, you know, asking myself what, what more is out there and pivoted and started another company called Navigate the Journey, which is where I'm at now. I'm president of that company, uh, which I started with my husband, which is a whole nother story, <laughs> starting a company with your husband. Um, which if you had told me 15 years earlier that we would have a company together, I would laugh. But now it's we found our groove and our in our place. And so we're really coming alongside business owners. It's a business consulting firm. We help with strategic planning and executive coaching and uh, team building. And it's really, really fun, especially for this phase of my life. And yeah, so, you know, we decided to move to Nashville just really ready for a new phase. Our kids were getting older in middle school and we just were like, where would we want to set roots? And my husband's from Ireland. We met in Chicago 
and we knew we weren't going to move back to Ireland. Um, but we did want something that felt a little bit like that, you know, that had kind of that beauty and nature and friendliness. And, um, and so we looked at a bunch of mid-sized cities because we also wanted what Chicago had to offer music and food. And, and we settled in Nashville five years ago and we're loving it. That is such a fun story. And I love just the journey that you guys have been on. I mean, it's a little ironic considering your business is called Navigate the Journey. Um, <laughs> but l- so let's go back in time because okay. uh, as a, let's just be honest, uh, you know, I'm in my late 30s and I am a mother and uh, I, you know, I live on a farm and um, I like most women in their late 30s love some HGTV. Let's just be honest. And it's funny because (laughs) I never really had watched HGTV until I had my daughter. And I was a new mom. I was recovering from a C-section and I was on the couch all day like because I couldn't really get up and move yet. And I was nursing all day. And so I just I discovered (laughs) HGTV and I would just watch HGTV all day and Island Hunters was my jam. These people who just like go and buy islands. And I was like, what is happening? What is who's look at Craig, Craig and Cindy who have like a art studio and are suddenly have enough money to buy an island. I don't understand. Um, Anyway, so uh, I, you know, I, I love it. And so I am so fascinated about your involvement in the start of it and how does that even come about? And, you know, how did you even, you know, just get asked to be a part of a group of people to start a cable network? I have so many logistical questions. So Tracy, take us back to that time. Like what was life like for you? How did you get involved in that? What break it down for us? Well, it was 1994. So that's a pretty long time ago. Yeah. And good year. That's the year Force Gump came out. Random fact. I don't know why I know that, but I do. Wow. (laughs) Also the year um, that the uh, the um, OJ trial, the OJ chase. That I do remember. Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yep. I remember that. And I, you know, I really cable was kind of this, which is so hard to believe, but cable was kind of like our version of the internet right now. You know, it was like this up and coming entity. We had grown up with three channels, broadcast channels, and all of a sudden the universe was opening up to, you know, expand cable television. And there were cable networks that existed and were successful, like the Turner networks, like CNN and TBS and the Discovery Channel. And and those networks were really thriving and growing. But then there were these launches. And what a lot of people don't know is behind the scenes that there were tons of cable networks that tried to launch and failed. So for example, HGTV launched, I think about 24 other cable networks that year, and only two survived. Mm. HGTV and the History Channel. So it was people that were in television or radio that came up with ideas for a cable network. And the founder and CEO of HGTV was working at EW Scripts at the time in Cincinnati was the head of the radio division. They were selling off the radio division. And so he knew he was going to be out of a job or shifted somewhere. And so he had come up with this idea, like, I want to start a cable network that's all home and garden. You know, Martha Stewart meets Bob Vila type of programming. And I'm going to go pitch it to some print magazines and see if they might fund it. And on his way out the door, he told his boss that he was going to do this. And his boss was like, whoa, wait, I I think that Scripps would like to get into the cable industry. And so let's pitch it to the higher ups and see if we can't get some funding. And he did get some funding and ended up... um, buying a studio to try to, you know, start to develop programming because there were very little programming at the time. And, um, you know, there was Martha Stewart and Bob Vila, but we couldn't afford Martha Stewart and Bob Vila. So we needed to kind of create our own programming. And so ended up buying a studio and called Cenotel Studios in Knoxville, Tennessee, and based the headquarters there, which is a very odd and unusual place to base a television cable network headquarters. But um, it was a great place to um, start a company when you don't have tons and tons of money, right? And you're not being launched by a huge media conglomerate. So launched in in Knoxville, and then you know people just started outreaching to the major cities. So at the time, we started a little office in New York, of course, to be close to advertising and and media contacts, and then one in Chicago. So. 
there were only three offices, Knoxville, New York, and Chicago when we launched. And part of my role and the reason I fell into it is I was interviewing at other cable networks because I really wanted to get into cable. And they didn't have job openings, but somebody just kind of nonchalantly said, you know, I did hear about this network that's starting. Would you be interested in like joining a network that doesn't exist yet? And I was like, yep. And by the time I got home, back when we had answering machines, there was a message on the answering machine um, with the woman who was hiring. And yeah, I got the job and it was all hands on deck in the beginning. I mean, our major role in Chicago was to get funding to get advertisers on the network because that's how television makes its money Yeah, is it's funded by advertising dollars. And so it was really, really important, but it was really, really hard. People ask me all the time, oh my gosh, was it so fun? And and it was fun, but it was hard. It's hard to sell something that doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. And it's There's hard no, to not explain. Have a for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we didn't come out of the gate looking like HGTV looks like today. You know, it was a lot of, we had a quilting show and gardening shows and, you know, it was a little slower. And it took a while for us to get our feet underneath us and to really get the money to start producing things. And, you know, it didn't take long for us to find our trajectory to gain traction. And I would say HGTV is one of the most successful cable launches out there. I mean, I think we were profitable in five years. And I learned so much from that, you know, from what it takes to build a company. And then why would this company be successful versus another company? Mm -hmm. And it really formed my belief in mission and vision and core values. There's like key pillars that a company needs to be successful and is often undervalued or, or just seen as like a checklist item. But HGTV and the people that started HGTV were wildly committed to the mission of the company and wildly committed to the core values and how we wanted to operate with each other. And I think, you know, I give a lot of credit to our founder, Ken Lowe. He's just an amazing person. And, and that the people that started the network together, we all believed in it, you know, and I had job offers along the way and I just did not want to leave this amazing place. And that says a lot for HGTV behind the scenes, you know, people see it on the screen. But you know, there, there's a reason it looks the way it does. And there's a reason why it is, is so successful that that pushes beyond just one great idea or beyond just a few good talent on air. So what were those early foundational values, that early mission and vision that people bought into so quickly? Because it clearly was coming in, f coming from kind of a top down approach. Um, mm -hmm. And that is, I mean, I could, you know, go on an entire soapbox tangent about the importance of, you know, leadership, you know, really uh, setting that standard. But I'm just curious, like, what what was it early on that was the mission and vision and, and foundational principles that it was founded on that really everybody bought into? Well, first was staying true to our brand, right? So I, if you, you can watch a lot of um, cable networks and know that they might say that this is their brand or what they're trying to to be. But then when you dig into the programming, you see it's all over the place, that it's it doesn't look the same. There's no common thread. And and the reason that happens is for ratings, right? So it's this happens to any company where you have a mission, but you'll stray from that mission for profitability. You'll stray from that mission for, for some other reason that looks attractive at the time. And there were opportunities for HGTV to take on shows or reruns or things, you know, that you know, probably would have given us greater ratings or to make decisions that, you know, could have pivoted that course. And it was always clear, you know, from the top down that that wasn't going to be our goal. And there was a lot of, you know, I can remember sitting in meetings where people would be nervous about like, oh my gosh, Discovery is going to start a, a network just like HGTV and they're just going to bypass us because they're so big. And, and, you know, leadership saying, you know, keep your eye on the ball. You know, it's it's always important to kind of know what the competition is doing, but we don't fear what the competition is doing. And so principles like that, where it's like, 
believe in the mission, stay true to the mission, understand what your purpose is. And it's hard to believe like, oh, a television network has a purpose. But I believe, as you know, every business has a purpose. And and if we really can get behind that mission and stay true to that mission and true to the brand that we're wanting to create and then behave well while doing it. And so the core values, I mean, establishing core values back in 1994, 1995 um, was a little you know, ahead of its time. Like this was, it's, you know, core values have been around forever, but um, it wasn't as hot the topic as it is now. And yet it was very important to to us as a group to say, okay, let's name the way we want to relate and, and work and behave together. And then let's stay true to those core values and and call each other out when we're not staying true to those, you know, hold each other accountable. And um, it was a it was a roadmap for us. And I mean, there were some wickedly smart people, you know, that work there. And, and I completely agree with you that, you know, it starts at the top, it starts at the top. And you if you have leaders that believe in the mission of the company and the they're ambitious for that mission at, versus being ambitious for themselves or ambitious for their own gain or their own glory or their own fame or pocketbook you are really lucky to work for a company like that and i was very lucky to work for a company where we were all ambitious for the mission and therefore we stayed true to it in those early days or even early years of the company were there any times where you, whether it's with programming or just something that, you know, because obviously, especially in the beginning of any type of business, a lot of times you're kind of throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what sticks. Um, but I'm curious, were there any, and feel free to even pick something from the entire time you were there. Was there anything that you you guys did, a choice that you made, programming or otherwise, that felt like a big risk, but you knew that it aligned with that mission and vision. Hmm. I'm trying to, I don't know if the decisions were all that risky. Um, I will say that we were, we were trying a lot of things to see if it would work, you know, um, when the internet came into being, which is like, I sound like a very old person when I say that, but it came no, into I, being while totally. I was, at, <laughs> well, I would say it wasn't that long ago, really, when we think about how young it is, there were a lot of, you know, trying to figure out how to navigate that. Like, how do you build a website? What should it look like? You know, should it be more magazine? Like, should it be more informational driven? And, and we had also five years in had purchased the food network. So there were a lot of like, which I would say was probably a really big risk in not knowing you know, what that would look like. And then starting other networks, I think was also very risky. So, you know, we started, you know, when we purchased the food network, we started kind of like sister network, Stacey TV and food. So we started the DIY network, do it yourself. And we started first before cooking channel started something called fine living. Um, and that was going to be a very upscale kind of, you know, experience. And that network ended up not working out. But I think we learned a lot about you know, why it didn't and, and, and really that people, people would accept a more kind of DIY or a more like gritty version, um, how to version of the kind of mother networks. And so we ended up switching finally living to cooking channel, which, you know, went really well. Um, so I think, you know, for us the probably from a programming standpoint, a pivot point was house hunters. I can remember that being and feeling like a pivot point. Um, this was going to be a different type of show. It was going to take people on an experience. And really that pivoted our rating story as well. That ended up being a huge rating success, put us on the map in, in many different ways. And I would say it was a turning point for the network. Yeah. I mean, I like I said, I watched a lot of House Hunters, a lot of House Hunters International, Island Hunters. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling we're you, it all. we were yeah, hunting exactly. it all. We were hunting it all. Yeah. And it's and then it's like always the joke is, you know, it's some like couple that have like very artsy jobs and their budget is like seven yep. million dollars. And you're like, yeah. where do these people I get know. this money? Um, it is always fascinating to me. Well, I yeah, I because I just personally love stories of pivots, of risks, of figuring out, you know, what works and what doesn't and acknowledging those things like you were saying, like the fine living is fine living. That was what it was. Mm -hmm. yes, yeah. Like yes. the fine living channel, like, you know, thinking, oh, this could be something that's really 
going to hit a, you know, a, a, a point for people, um, or, a, or a need area and it, and it didn't work and that's okay. And you learn from it. And I always, I mean, I'm, a you know, a mom of young kids. And one of the conversations that I have with my kids just about every day is, uh, you live, you learn and you make mistakes and sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. And, uh, what do you do with those times where you do something that doesn't work or you do something that quote unquote fails? Um, but we don't see it as a failure. We see it more as a, an opportunity for growth. And, um, I think so many of the best lessons that we learn in business and in life come out of those seasons and those moments of of what you know almost the world would see as failure but actually right. were just you know learning pieces right, right so you had this successful incredible career working for you know one of the top cable networks um I mean, there is not a red-blooded American that has not heard of HGTV. You know what I mean? It's just like you had this uh, amazing career and you left it. And it was a big deal. And and everybody was shocked when you left this career. Why did you make that decision? Well, it was a hard one, let me just say. And, you know, I know people leave jobs for all sorts of reasons, but I did not have any of those standard reasons on my checklist. You know, I was very happy where I was. I had great bosses. I love my company. I was good at what I did. All the people who worked for me, I adored. Um, So it was a little confusing, I think, for a lot of people because I wasn't disgruntled and I wasn't, you know, pushed out or um, any of those things. But I had reached this point, and I'm sure you can appreciate having young kids where, you know, I was I had been there for almost 20 years. I had two young daughters, um, a very full life. My husband had a very busy job and um, felt like I was pulled in a million different directions. And I think one of the things that was so kind of ironic looking back at it was, you know, I kind of grew up with this you know, mentality that women could have it all, women can have it all, women can have it all. And that those who went before me kind of had fought to break the, you know, the glass ceiling. And here I was sitting in a, an executive role at a big media company, and that's unusual for a woman and um, a mom and all of these things. And even though I, quote unquote, had it all, I, I didn't feel content. Or happy. I felt mm. restless. I felt pulled in a million different directions. I felt like nobody was getting the best piece of me and super fragmented. And I realized that I, you know, I didn't really have it all. I was doing it all. Mm. I was trying to be it all. And I just felt like I needed a break. And I had all these questions like, who am I outside of HGTV? You know, what it, I, I know, you know, who I am intrinsically, but but like what, and I know, and I believe that every human has been uniquely designed and uniquely created and just as unique as our fingerprint is on the outside, there is the unique fingerprint of us on the inside. And, and when you kind of check all the proverbial boxes, you know, of life, you go through all these predetermined mile markers, eventually you do wake up and you think, well, where are all the rest of the mile markers? You know, the only one that was lying ahead of me was like retirement. And even that is very fuzzy nowadays. And so I was like, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to stay in media for the rest of my life? Is there something else that I wanted to do? I had early in my career on at nights and weekends, I got my master's in professional psychology because, you know, we didn't have a lot of management training at the time. And so I thought that would help me. And so I had this degree and all these, you know, thoughts. And, and so I, I left, I just said, you know, I need to take a break. First, I need to take a big nap. (laughs) and sleep. And I need to stop traveling because I was traveling a ton for work. And I didn't feel like it was natural to be on a plane all the time when my children were on the ground. And um, I just, you know, looked for resources to help me wrestle through these big questions, didn't really see them. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to go home and I'm going to do a little soul searching. And I know if, you know, I want to come back one day, maybe I can, but maybe there's more to me. Mm. Maybe there's more out there for me. And it was scary. You know, I mean, it's just like we were just talking about in business and, and taking that leap. And if you really want to have that entrepreneurial spirit, you can't be completely risk adverse. You right. need to be able to risk. And if you fail, you fail. And to me, this felt like a huge risk. And I knew I'd feel naked without my identity that 
was my business identity. But um, I think I was ready to to kind of strip those things away and say, okay, well, who are you really? And what do you really want? And what do you want your life to look like moving forward? And, you know, so I took a break and, and got to spend some beautiful time with my children and hang out and figure it out. Yeah. And you landed on starting a company with your husband, which again, wasn't probably on your life bingo card. And you are somebody who is now using so many of the gifts that you received and and the skills that you gained, you know, in your year. And I don't even want to say corporate America, because I feel like that's not, that's like a not a great characterization of what you actually did as corporate America. But you know, for the for the purposes of this, we'll say corporate America, you know, the time in your career, that you're now able to take those skills and use them to help other leaders, other business owners, other entrepreneurs, be able to build mission driven, purpose driven businesses. And how did you land on that? How did you get to where because I again, I'm, I know that that wasn't what you'd initially even thought that you were going to do. And, and so how did you kind of get from point A to point B on that? Yeah, it was just like you said, completely organic. It, I just had executives that were, you know, still at HGTV Scripts Networks or other media executives that I knew. Media World's not that big, so we all know each other. That were reaching out and calling me and saying, like, I, you know, can you help me through this process? Or I'm having this difficulty, or I need to, you know, renegotiate this contract, or I, I need help with my staff because they're acting this way. And and so I started just kind of coaching them through these, you know, issues and processes and. One of my colleagues, our ex-colleagues had said to me, you really should do this for a living. Like you should be charging me right now because I keep calling you and you keep giving me, walking me through this and helping me process and connecting the dots. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. And so, you know, I talked to my husband about it. He's like, that's perfect. You take all these years, you know, decades of experience that you have in the corporate world, but then also your master's degree in, in psychology and, and merge those together. And so um, I kind of just sort of, hung up the shingle and started doing it. And then he was doing strategic planning. And he just said, you know, maybe we could do this together. Maybe we can create a company that really shows up for for companies, mm -hmm. really comes alongside entrepreneurs and business owners and helps them to make sure they're running their company well, like from an operational standpoint, and they're reaching their goals and they're reaching profitability and all of that. But they're also building healthy, strong teams, you know, that live within their core values. And then the leaders are being coached because sometimes, you know, at the top, it's lonely and you don't have a lot of people to talk to and you can't really vent to your staff. And where do you grow? You know, there, there are very few, if any, classes, you know, in your MBA that are going to teach you how to to really talk to people and really deal with these issues and deal with your own issues. And so we, you know, just started the company and then I started getting asked to speak and and that's super fun. I I love getting up on stage and talking about, you know, mission and vision and values and and what it feels like and how you can do it well and how you can not, you know, miss the mark and yeah. And talk about how those principles are are real and true if you embrace them. And and so that really started generating business for us. And next thing you know, it took off and then we're hiring people to work with us. And it, it's been great. And one of the um, things that I started doing through my coaching um, with different people is to help them sort of not only decide what they want to do for their business, but what they want to do for their life. And can those two things align? And how do we take strategic principles that we know for business and apply them to our lives? And how can we live our lives with purpose? And just like the Uber driver taking you to the airport, you know, the songwriter who says, you know, I don't, I don't need to be famous. I, I found my purpose. I feel fulfilled. I know that, you know, God has designed me in this way. And, and now I'm, I'm living that out. I'm, I'm not wasting that gift. And, and that's probably most likely why he feels fulfilled. So I believe we all can have that feeling, right? You know, it, it's not just for artists or musicians that we can really figure out, you know, what are we best at? 
where do our passions really lie and and what is our purpose and can we live that out in every way can we live out our purpose through our vocation through our marriage with our children and so instead of thinking our purpose is a role like my purpose is to be vice president of something or my purpose is to be a mom or that those aren't purposes those are roles and they ebb and flow and if we put all our eggs in those baskets when they go away we'll crumble and so we we want to look at them as you know, very important things in our lives and and very important roles that we need to show up for and show up well. But how do we show up in those mm. roles? And that's really our purpose. And and so I help people, you know, understand that, take a pause in their life and answer those questions that I had at, at those crossroads. And I find that all of my clients have at the crossroads. And so it's been really rewarding. I feel like I'm kind of paying it forward at this, you know, juncture of my life. I'm in my fifties now. And I, I feel like all I want to do is kind of be, be the wind underneath other people's wings that are kind of coming up and figuring these things out and really want to show up well and have a positive impact, you know, wherever they are in their small little corner of the world. And it doesn't have to be, you know, glory and fame or big paychecks or titles. I, I just want to show up well and have a significant impact where I am and know that I did well in the end, you know? So, so good and so true. And I love that this is something that you really have felt called to in this season. And this even led you to write a book about this. And so uh, the book is called What If There's More? Finding Significance Beyond Success. And walk us through you know, the, the, how did the, the book come about? And I know that a lot of it came kind of was birthed out of, you know, just the work that you do naturally. Um, but walk us through kind of who this book is for and what your goal with writing it was. Mm. Well, I've been talking about it for about a decade since I left. Um, even before I left, I, I think when I started wrestling with um, with these questions while I was still at HGTV and, and you know, um, my 50th birthday, my husband was like, enough, like you have got to like write this book. You've been talking about it forever. And I started to put pen for, to paper and really just wanted to kind of write the book I wish I had at that crossroads in my life, like really wrestle with these big concepts of like that constant search for success. Where does that come from? And, you know, what are we sort of taught as as children and then growing up and kind of in a society that's, you know, based on meritocracy and like really achievement focus and perfectionism and all of these things that we wrestle with and and how can we pivot from that mindset to a mindset of significance and and then how do we answer these big questions for ourselves? What's the framework for answering questions like, how did I get to where I am? Like, why do I exist? You know, where um, should I be headed? And so the book is, uh, you know, a lot of my own personal story. I talk about different experiences at HGTV and lessons that I learned along the way, but it, it also provides a framework um, for people who are wrestling through these questions and needing to make you know, peace with their past and understand kind of the limiting beliefs that they have and and create a new mindset and then be able to to create a compass for themselves that is based in their, you know, their talents and their purpose and their passion. And, you know, I also take them through how to create that vision for the rest of their lives and and to kind of get off that hamster wheel that I was on of like feeling like you have right. to do it all and be it all and all of these things. But instead, get off that and and really understand that there's there's more to you um, that the world wants to see. And you were uniquely designed for something specific and great. And how can we tap into that? And so hopefully the book, you know, provides that framework for people and takes them on a journey with me along the way. So I'm super excited about it. I love how it turned out. It comes out in January. And I am, you know, the as you know, you're writing a book. It's a takes a lot, a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of energy. And it took two years for me to write it. And yeah. 
all of that. And it's a labor of love, but um, I'm excited. And I hope even if it just impacts a few people and helps them answer these questions for themselves and gives them the courage to kind of lean a little bit more into who they are, um, I'll be happy. So, Well, I already know that it's going to impact way more than just a few people. So um, I am curious, just in the work that you've done, and even as you were writing the book, you know, gleaning from your experience in you know, the business that you've run. Give me an example, or th- can you think of uh, kind of a, like a case study of somebody that you've come across that you've worked with who was really kind of struggling in this area and was just kind of uh, almost like a, like a Israelite lost in the wilderness and mm-hmm. <laughs> looking for some guidance. Can you give, kind of give us an example of somebody that you've worked with that you kind of helped to navigate the journey on? Yeah. So when people come to me, um, they're usually at a crossroads and they're usually wrestling between a couple of things. Typically, will should they stay where they are? Should they stay in their same career, in their same industry, doing the same thing? There's safety in that. Or should they pivot? Should they do something different? Should they finally open that cupcake store? Should they finally go off and start their own business? Should they, you know, uh, and for some people, it's women who have taken a break, who, you know, had a career, took a break to be home with the kids or do something different, and they want to reenter and they're uncertain and need some confidence in, in which direction to go. So the people who come to me are typically at a crossroads. And what I do is I walk them through a two day strategic planning session called Strategic Life Map. And we answer all of these questions. And it is pretty intense. It is a two day pause. It is very enlightening and deep. And, you know, just I try to create a safe environment for people to really go deep and really figure out what's holding them back, or what are the the things that they need to lean into. And it's been life altering for for, you know, I'd say the majority of my clients um, and very clarifying for everyone who goes goes through it. And so I've had clients who have fallen back in love with the company they started or Mm -hmm. fallen back in love with their job because now they see it through a new lens. They're like, oh, I can show up this way at work Mm -hmm. or, oh, I need to go back and ask for a little more agency or I need to finally create that position that I always wanted in, in my job. And then I've had some clients that have said, this is exactly what I needed. I knew I was done. I knew that it was time for me to go, but I was too scared to pull the trigger. And now I want to do it. And I've had people who are, have gone off to you know, become interior designers, to be, become real, real estate agents, to start non-for-profit, um, which has been fabulous to see people do that. And it's been really rewarding to see people, you know, like we we were just talking about, it's no guarantee those dreams are going to come to fruition or the, that your business you're going to start, start is going to be successful. But if you understand these concepts and you understand yourself and you know what how you are uniquely gifted and where your passions are, you are a horse I'm going to bet on every time to succeed. Mm. Because those are the people I see succeed, the ones that are super excited to get started. They know that this is a fit for them. Yeah. And in some cases, I've had to say to people, I don't think this route you want to go is the right fit for you. And they're like, yeah, after going through some of the exercises, they realize it. But then we're like, but what if this, you know, and that's kind of the amazing part of the process, too, is to vet those dreams, to vet those opportunities and say, okay, what's going to fit best for me? And it's very powerful. And so um, and it's my favorite thing to do. I love hearing people's stories. I love hearing where they came from, how they grew up, what, you know, has gotten them to where they are today. And then just hearing their dreams and hopes. Mm. It's, it is by far my favorite part of my job. Oh, oh, I think it's so cool. And I just love the way that you speak about it with such passion. And uh, just there is a light within you that just like is illuminated as you talk about this. And it's, uh, it's so needed. It's so needed. And you know, we have we are seeing such a shift in in a good way over the last decade um, of businesses that are really realizing that they can and should 
have a mission that's bigger than themselves and have a mission that's really impact driven. And uh, so I love hearing stories like yours where you're really coaching people through that. So um, like you said, the book comes out in January. So everybody needs to go pre-order it right now. You can go on Amazon and go pre-order it um, as an author, uh, you know, who is also writing a book. I am learning how important pre-orders are. So I have no shame in telling people to go pre-order your book right now. Uh, So thank you. um, Well, before we get to the get to know you round, tell us what's kind of on the horizon for you other than, you know, birthing a book baby in the next few months. (laughs) Birthing a book baby is the big one. And it's the one that I'm very excited about. But, you know, um, more speaking, we have um, some courses coming out. We really are just hoping to come alongside more people, more leaders, more businesses, um, and navigating more journeys with people. So awesome. Okay, Tracy. Well, this is the portion of the show where we transition just a little bit. We ask some fun get to know you questions. So are you ready for the get to know you round? I am ready. Okay. Question number one is what is something that is particularly memorable or impactful that has had a made a lasting impression on you in the last year? Ooh, in the last year. That's a good question. Um, I feel like the last year has been such a learning experience. And all of that has to do with when you're done writing a book, you're so exhausted and tired and you think you're done and you're not done. Mm. You have to pivot to promoting it and getting it out there. And, you know, that work of pivoting and putting myself out there has been a journey for me because I am good at and love promoting brands. So promoting HGTV, promoting Navigate the Journey has been easy. Promoting myself Mm. as an author has been something I've had to wrap my brain around. And it feels different, but I've had to use those same tools of Remember, this is a message that you believe in and a mission that you believe in. And so, yes, your name's attached to it. And yes, you have to go out and do the talking. And yes, it's your name on the book, but don't get lost in that and have courage. And, you know, you put a book out there, you feel a little naked, you feel a little exposed, you feel a little vulnerable, just a little bit. And, And that has been... I have never experienced anything like I have this past year Mm. and this pivot and this new way of putting something out into the world. Mm. And boy, I don't think I'll remember, I'll forget this time in my life Mm. um, anytime soon. That's so good. Okay. Question number two is what is something that I would never guess about you? (laughs) Oh, well, you probably, I don't know. You, well, you probably want to guess this, but um, I sing. I love to sing. I've been singing since I was six years old on stage and I trained in voice at Indiana University for four years and sang in a band in Chicago for about a decade. And yeah, I love to sing. I haven't gotten to do it as much as I used to. So I helped lead worship at church and when we were in Chicago for years. And and so since moving to Nashville, I haven't really, oddly, I've moved to Music City and I haven't sang at all. I know I was going to say, well, um, th- so funny because I also sing. And so, uh, and I sing, I lead worship on the worship team at my church. So look at us. We are. We could start a band we if t- we were we in the could. same city. <laughs> we could, we could. Yeah, you need to go do one of those open mic nights. I mean, you, you do I live in Nashville. Know. I know, but it's a little intimidating. It is. You yeah, know? it is. But um, yeah, so that's a little kind of unknown secret, I guess, or a little facet of my life, especially now that I live here and starting over and and making new (laughs) friends. They don't really know that portion of my life, but I, well, that leads perfectly into the next song or the next song, the next question I was (laughs) going to ask you. And that question is what song do you have to sing along with the moment you hear it? Ooh, well, okay. This just popped into my head and it's probably an eight, like, you know, not, but seeing, you know, we're, we're close to the holidays. I was driving my youngest daughter home from school yesterday and she was like, it's time for Christmas music. I'm like, it is. And she's like, yes. And she plugged in her phone and the first song she played was a Mariah Carey, you know, all I want for Christmas is you. 
I mean, at the top of my lungs, we were just belting it out and there is nothing I could do to not sing. Yeah. So there you go, people. Play it all through the holidays. (laughs) It's the best. (laughs) 100%. Okay. Um, I don't know if you can answer this question because it may be depending on how long you've been uh, gone from HGTV. I don't know if you signed some sort of like NDA non-compete. I'm just curious. Do you have a favorite HGTV show that you watch or have watched? Or you're like, no, I was in that that realm for way too long and can't possibly. <laughs> well, I I love HGTV. I still watch it. I still, you know, I, I love me some uh, Renovation Island. I love the property, but I love the property brothers mainly because in real life, they are truly the nicest people. Aww. And so it's, it's always warm and fuzzy to, to watch them. Um, cause they're just great. So I like it all. I mean, there's, I will turn it on and get sucked in just <laughs> with the best of them. I really do. Island Same Hunters. With <laughs> just I know. I know. Although Same I don't even network. think I've seen yeah. Island Hunters on in a long time. So anyway. <laughs> You're making was... me want to go back and watch. I know. I know. Anyway, <laughs> it's like the most random, but I just, yeah, I just have such vivid memories of breastfeeding my daughter <laughs> watching Island Hunters and my husband coming in and being like, are these people, what are these people doing? And I'll be like, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but somehow buying an island. But Claudette here <laughs> is really trying to negotiate a good deal on this island, you know, in the Maldives or whatever. <laughs> anyway, it's crazy. Anyway, I love it. Okay. And then my last question is the question I ask all my guests. And that is, uh, Tracy, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Oh, it means to really put your mission, your people, your clients, you know, before you and to, to really stay true to that positive impact you want to have and don't waver for the money or waver for the status or anything. Stay true to that mission and believe in it and everything else will fall into place. Mm. Mm, so good. Well, Tracy, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much for being with us. And thank you for the work you're putting out into the world. Well, thank you. I've loved it. Thanks. I just had the best conversation with Tracy. She is so encouraging. I hope you loved this conversation as well. Be sure to tune in next week where my guest is Robert Craig of Robert Craig Films. He is a Christian filmmaker and it was really fun getting to talk with him and hearing all about the projects that he's doing. And he comes from a background in, wait for it, gutter guards. So how did a guy who started a gutter guard company end up in Christian filmmaking? You will want to hear that conversation. But I want to know what you loved about this episode, or if there was something that you learned, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to click follow or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen to to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And if you have made it this far, I have some pretty exciting news for you that I'm going to be teasing over the next two months. But this podcast is getting a rebrand. Yep. It's getting an overhaul. Don't worry if you are already subscribed and you're like, no, don't go away. Don't worry. I'm not starting a new podcast, but this podcast is getting a little bit of an overhaul. It's getting a makeover. I've been doing it for over six years now and it's time. And so that is going to be coming after the first of the year, but I'm going to be kind of dropping some hints on what is to come in the next couple of months. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. But if you want to make sure that you don't miss anything, and that you are still subscribed to the podcast when it launches with the new brand, make sure you're clicking that subscribe or follow button. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to the team at Third Wheel Media for producing this show. I could not do it without them. And as always, go do something good with purpose on purpose.